Welcome, welcome back to the podcast, Going Against the Grain. I'm your host, Tyler Bridgewater, and this is the last episode of 2023. Hopefully, 2024 is going to be a big year, more involved in making these episodes. Um, But yeah, so it's a good start. This few episodes have been good, learned a lot. Hopefully, you also learned a lot, too. Um, But yeah. Praying for even better 2024. But today we're going to be talking about one of the two main parties in the United States, which is the Democratic Party. Talking about their history, how they came to be, how they are now. Um, and then next we'll be doing the Republican Party. But for this episode specifically, we'll be doing the Democratic Party. But before I start with the Democratic Party, um, let me know how I'm doing, um, or if you want me to talk about political, a specific political topic, um, you can email the email in the description um, and let me know, because most likely I will be doing an episode on that topic if you let me know, and also tell me what I can do better, make it even better, get more people listening in and tuning in, and learning stuff with me, so... Yeah, so to start, we're going to be talking about the Democratic Party. Um, Obviously, the Democratic Party is liberal, and they're progressive. Um, They're on the left side of the political spectrum, while Republicans are on the right. They're more conservative and traditional. But you'd be surprised that the Democratic Party didn't start as liberal and progressive. So the origins of a party started way back when uh, the nation first started. So, when the nation, when the United States first won the American Revolution and they became new state, it was a big debate on how the government should be ran. Um, there's two main sides, the Federalists and Anti-Federalists. Um, the Federalists wanted um, a big centralized government, so, uh, and less powers, like, to the state, so like more so the elites and the people with the most money and the people that had um, land and um, people that had considerable amount of power in the early United States should be the ones leading the country rather than the common people and the regular people in the states. So they want a big centralized government, and the anti-federalists wanted a decentralized government, so more power to the states and the common people. And um the heads of these both fa- the heads of both these factions were Thomas Jefferson, who ended up eventually becoming president, and Alexander Hamilton, who was the Secretary of Treasury, he was a big political figure at the time. Um so Jefferson wanted, you know, uh, power more to the states. Um his ideals involved expanding democracy to the white and male landowners and having the economy more of an agrarian economy. So farming, based on farming and farmers and um, just small centralized government that's focused on states. So states having the most power and Hamilton wanted the democracy limited to elites and having a big government, so government being involved in everything, basically. And 
the people who are rich and the elites in the United States have the most power. And those ideals were picked up by um, Andrew Jackson um, and also sort of Martin Van Buren because he also helped. But to the two presidents, um, they established the Democratic Party as we know today um, based off Jefferson's ideals. Um, but they expanded it a little more to all white men, so like not just landowners. Um, and they also really pushed Manifest Destiny, um, which um, uh, marked the vision that Jack, that marked his own vision that he kind of added with the Jeffersonian ideals that set the party in foundation. Um, and also, for the fact, the donkey that represents the uh, <laughs> represents the Democratic Party is a representation of Andrew Jackson because what they used to call him back in the day, a lot of people didn't like him. They call him a jackay. So that's where um, <laughs> that's where the donkey comes from from the Democratic Party. But um, yeah, so um, Democratic Party um, split. After this Andrew Jackson time in the 1850s and 60s over slavery, so the northern faction um, and the southern faction. So, like, the northern Democrats, um, not all of them were just anti-slavery. So most of them were pro-slavery, but they were more pro-union than the South. So they wanted to keep the union together, even though they... Um, some of them didn't agree with slavery, but like some of them still want slavery as you know an economic thing. So some of them were pro-slavery, but like they were mainly more so pro-union. That's what really separated them from the South because they want to keep the union together. The South was just pro-slavery. They want to keep their slavery, um, and yeah, they want to keep the slavery so they could keep making money, keep being rich, and everything. While the North wanted more of a pro-union, so they was on the opposite side to that, and um, the split was really shown in the eighteen sixty presidential election when the North and the South put up a candidate um, for the president. Um, the North put Stephen Douglas, the man that uh, was involved in the famous debates with Abraham Lincoln when they were running against each other for the Senate. Um, and then for the South, it was John C. Breckinridge. So they, um, the two factions had their own different beliefs and their own different um, candidates that they wanted to be president. So that signified the split of the party. And this split allowed the Republicans to win Abraham Lincoln. And then there was a civil war, which the Republicans technically ended up winning since. They were the ones in control of the power. They were the pre- they were, had the presidency and everything. So they were seen as a party that saved the union because the South, the Southern Democrats, were the ones that made up a lot of the Confederacy. So they ended up losing. So Republicans were seen as a party that saved the union, and the Democrats were seen as the opposition to the opposition to the union. So it really painted the Democrats in a bad light. Um, for a while, uh, for many years after the Civil War, and then put the Republicans in a, a better light in regards of winning elections and um, being seen as a party that 
wanted to keep the union together was very good for them. Um, so it wasn't until like around the late 1800s to like 1890s where to where the Democrats kind of like started to grow a little bit, moving a little away from the party of opposition, starting to make a name for itself. Um, it really culminated in the Panic of 1893, which is the economic depression under a Republican president. Um, and the election that was um, finna come up allowed for the Democratic Party to um, kind of grow in its power. Uh, William James Prine is a very famous uh Politician, he ended up um, trying to get the presidency four, three or four times. I'm pretty sure. Um, and he was come. He was very young at this time, and he was um, he was actually the youngest presidential candidate um, up to that point. And he was a very good speaker, and he ended up giving a speech that. Um, help set the um, Democratic Party into more of a populist and more interventionist party, which is across the gold speech where he was kind of um, pushing the idea of moving away from gold to silver as a means of backing the U.S. dollar, which would allow them to make more money and make them more richer, you know, so because the, they're in the economic depression and that the idea that sounded, you know, really good because you're making more money and it's an economic depression. So that um, his uh, oratory and the cross gold speech and everything kind of moved the party towards a more interventionist and more populist party. So it started to shift the party into being more interventionist and populist. So. And then we get to 1912. Um, Woodrow, Wilson, Woodrow Wilson comes into power um, at the Republican Party has a split between the progressives and the uh, the more conservative, um, uh, sort sort of moderate, but it was the more so conservative compared to what the other side was. Um, William Taft and um, Theodore Roosevelt in the splitting the Republican Party vote, which allowed Woodrow Wilson to win. Um, he was from the South. He was from Virginia. Um, he was a racist, but he was a champion of progressivism. Um, he had, and under his uh, administration, women got the right to vote with the 19th Amendment. Um, he also um, allowed the filming of Birth of a Nation in the White House in 1915, which is a pro-KKK film. Um, so, like, you know, just very ardent racist um, during that time. And, um, yeah, um, much in the mold of Andrew Jackson. Uh, many people probably, they probably know about how racist Jackson was with the... Um, the uh, Indian Removal Act and all the stuff with the Native Americans he was involved with. Uh, so they, you know, it's easy to forget that he was the one that actually started the Democratic Party, Andrew Jackson. So Woodrow Wilson was very much in the mode of Andrew Jackson. Um, 
but yeah, during these early nineteen hundred, during the early twentieth century, um, the Democratic Party started turning more liberal because um, you know as it started Jefferson, with, it was more so conservative starting off, but now all the way in the twentieth century is starting to turn more and more liberal. Um, but then after Woodrow Wilson, they had. Um, specifically two. It was three Republican presidents, but two of them really um, made the Republican Party look good and like there was a lot of prosperity in America during their terms. Um, Warren Harding and Calvin Coolidge. Um, that's why we know the early and mid-20s as the Roaring Twenties because it was so economically advantageous to be living during that time because it was a, the economy was booming and a lot of their conservative principles they brought to the economy allowed for the money in the economy to grow at like fast and a lot of people were again having a lot of money and able to buy certain buy a lot of things that were coming out like the like different appliances and different like electricity and like stuff like that that were recently coming out that were costing a lot. They were able to buy all that stuff because the economy was booming so much. But when it got to the third Republican president, Herbert Hoover, they, um, there was a stock market crash which started the Great Depression in 1920, the Great Depression in 1929. Um, and this allowed um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt to come to power in 1933 after one term of Herbert Hoover, which made, it made the Republican Party very unpopular. Because they're seen as a party that had the Great Depression or started the Great Depression, so it allowed Democrats to get into power in 1933. And FDR um, set forth a liberal approach to the economy, um, having the government really big in the economy, the government regulating it, but not necessarily controlled, but like having a big influence on regulating it. Um, he set forth the New Deal, which had a lot of social social role social welfare programs which were to help people struggling and give people more money so they so they able to get food you know stuff like that and like for example one of these things social security um and uh during this time the democrat party was still sort of split um between the liberal northern part which was more progressive interventionist and then the southern conservative which were pro jim crow and you know more traditionalist than the north so the party still split but after those um 12 years of fdr there were um Two terms of Republican president, um, Dwight Eisenhower, and then after that, JFK comes to power. He's assassinated, and then his vice president comes to power um, in 1963, and then he was in election 64, which is his own term. And during this, he starts to pass civil rights and welfare legislation, so the party started turning more and more left as a result of the um, civil rights movement and the and um, just helping like the poor and like like all different like type of social issues, she started moving left to like towards helping those um, different ills and problems to society. 
So um, the civil rights movement and like the things that were going on in the 60s and the 1950s and 60s caused a party to rally around the northern faction, which supported those social issues like civil rights. Um, so it caused the party to turn more and more left. But what Lyndon Johnson was able to do a lot of these things because of his long and many years in Congress. So he was able to get deals done in Congress because he understood how Congress and stuff worked. So he was able to reach across the lines and like negotiate and get people to pass the things he would put in Congress because of how many years he spent in Congress and he understood the inner workings of Congress. So he knew how to get some passed. So he was able to get those things done for, um, the civil rights movement and uh, the different social issues like the poverty that was going on during that time and everything. So during the 60s was when it really started to um, rally around the northern faction. So becoming like more and more progressive interventionist as a government and towards social issues. But the Democratic Party started to get bad uh, rap Towards the end of the 1960s, 1968, there's a lot of unrest that were going that was going on. Um, first off, the Vietnam War, which made the party look like the party of war to the young people because they're getting drafted to go into the Vietnam War. And so, their Democratic president presidents, because it's technically it started under it technically started under Eisenhower, but JFK and um, LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson just kind of pushed it more, like more of our involvement into the into Vietnam. So it allowed for that um, look to be seen towards the Democratic Party, which wasn't a good look. And the Vietnam War was was a very negative war for the United States. It made us look really bad because we couldn't win. So. It's a scale of bad rap the Democratic Party as a whole. And then there are two high-profile assassinations in 1968 um, with Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, um, so, um, which caused a lot of summer riots, especially with MLK, um, because MLK was killed by a white man. Um, so... It caused a lot of riots and a lot of unrest and a lot of crime and stuff were happening. So, was happening, not were happening, was happening. Um, so, it was a lot of unrest and people started to uh, get tired of the pledge. The, well, not pledge, but like they felt like the Democratic Party was com- way too much committed, specifically the whites in the South, were way too committed to civil rights movement, and it had gone too far. Um, like, all the things they had done, like, to, I mean, for the civil rights movement, they felt like it was going too far, and it's causing a lot of unrest, and um, the things the Democratic Party were, the way it was moving towards didn't align with what they believe. So the Southern faction of the Democratic Party sort of shifted towards a more conservative and a more traditional Republican Party. And so that's why a lot of the Southern states you see today are red because 
a lot of those were where a lot of the Southern Democrats were that shifted uh, after the ninth after 1968 and like those late 1960 years um, because of a lot of the unrest and the progressivism and interventionist um, policies of the Democratic Party um, caused a lot of those people to turn the Republican Party for more traditional and conservative ideals. So that is the Democratic Party basically up to now. Um the more it's more it's way, way more left now than it was after nineteen sixty eight. Um but it gives you an idea of how the Democratic Party got to where it is today. Um slowly it started as conservative and then it started becoming more progressive slowly as um as we got out of slavery and the re- and reconstruction and we got into the uh great depression and the civil rights movement and it just slowly turned more and more progressive individualist from conservative traditional and uh, and more so just like small government and um the people being ruled turned into big government and progressive um over the course of the many years it was um in uh in effect because it started in 1828 and now it's 2023 about to be 2024 so it's been almost 200 years of the democratic party being uh in power in place so it took a while but it shifted definitely dramatically over the course of the long time it's been in power. But yeah, that that's kind of like a short uh, summary of its history. Um, there's a lot of this stuff that attributed to the, um, the change in the party um, and like different other famous leaders and stuff that attributed to the shift of the parties and allowed for different uh things to happen and the um how the party was able to uh rally around the civil rights movement and everything and um yeah so that's the majority of the history of the Democratic Party. Um so now you know Democratic Party started by Andrew Jackson um from based on the ideals that Jefferson laid out after the American Revolution where we won our independence from Great Britain and we're deciding how we should run our government and um slavery really caused a part of the divide and over the course of the many years after that the party as a whole started to trend towards the left side. Um, and up to now, they're really, really left. Um, but yeah, so now you know how the Democratic Party started. You know the history of the Democratic Party. So like, if you're Democrat now, you know more about the history. If you didn't, um, I know for sure I didn't know a lot about the history before. Um, but yeah, uh, hopefully this is very educational and 
you learn a lot because de- I definitely myself learned a lot more about Democrat Party from doing this. Um, and yeah, so hopefully you take that into account. Um, we, if you don't have a party, you're trying to see what party you're going to be a part so you know the history of the party so you know um, uh, what to take into account when choosing the party that you want to join. Or if you don't want to join a party, let this be information to help you decide if you want to or not. But yeah, uh, hopefully all y'all had a Merry Christmas and hopefully every single one of y'all has a Happy New Year. And I'll see y'all in 2024.